0: What's your name again? Dancing Huh. (laughs) Greetings, folks. I'm Dan Mack.
1: And this is Chris Mack. And
2: I'm Pete.
0: And you're listening to episode 17 of the Shred Shack Podcast, your weekly source of news and uninformed yet heavily biased opinions pertaining to all things heavy metal. But first... Let's talk some old business. Old business is old business, and new business is new business.
1: So, just because I'm the one who talks a lot on this thing, apparently. Um, old business, going back to last week, Lamb and God bounced off the uh, the European tour that they're on with Children of Bodom and Um I think it was Sunday, Randy Blythe issued a very long statement on his uh, Tumblr page um, apparently it's per the request of his management company that somebody from the band should say something about why they left. Uh, In the long rundown of things, he mentioned the safety concerns for the band, the crew, and the fans, of course, as well as increasing number of threats to the cities that they were scheduled to play and and, uh, even specific shows that were threatened, which we'll get into a little later because that that affects another band and another tour. Um, But that is one of the main reasons he decided that the band decided to pack up and head back home. And then, of course, he also mentions his experience in the Czech Republic, as we all know, which has been well documented. Uh, He cites that as a lesson learned when a show goes on despite concerns for safety. You can read the full blog at uh, randonesia.tumblr.com.
0: That's his own Tumblr. That's his
1: own Tumblr account. It's verified it's him. Hmm. So, like I said, it's a very long diatribe of, of things that he lists and gets into it and I read about three quarters of it and every last bit of it is so, makes so much sense it's not even funny, mm-hmm. to the point where when we get into another tour later on it's like, why are some of these bands continuing, considering the safety concerns yeah. <clears throat> Um, Old Business is, was kind of slow this week so the, the last one I got is actually last week we reported on the bus crash involving the ghost inside, uh, about four-fifths of the band members were uh, listed as kind of critical but mostly stable condition in the hospital. Uh, according to bassist Jim Riley, all the bandmates are, um, are on the mend. They're improving. Their GoFundMe campaign has raised over $124,000 to help with the band with medical expenses and funeral arrangements for their bus driver who was killed in the accident, which is totally awesome.
0: That's a hell of a lot of money.
1: Yes, it for is for a band
0: that I've never heard of.
1: Right, yeah. right.
0: Good um, on them, though. Yeah, at, least, was... at least the the, the thing that you know, aside from the whole medical bills thing, the thing that's nice is that they're paying for the funeral. Oh yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah
1: definitely. That's
0: uh, awesome, very nice. And this is new business, and we do not discuss new business until next quarter.
1: Fucking metal. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what that came. I don't know that came across in the. Uh, in the microphone, so we got some thunderstorms going on right around here. Yeah, that must I,
0: mean it's time for new business. <laughs> I had no idea
1: that was supposed to happen yeah, today.
0: That's, that's... <laughs> so, new business, uh, talking about album releases, uh, for this week in particular. Um, this one was supposed to come out two weeks ago, it was supposed
1: you're... to come out last week, actually. It was supposed oh. to come out, I think, the 20th. Um, but it was pushed back. Uh, I mentioned it, I think, two podcasts ago that there was uh, delays in the pressing or the, the actual manufacture of the CDs. Uh, but Vision of Disorder uh, released Raised to the Ground. Alright, it's their sixth full-length album. And they're Long Island natives, so that's, uh, kind of rings, rings to our hearts, being from the, the Island, all right? Uh, the last record I heard was from, from Bliss to Devastation, and there was one in between then and now, I think it was like a reunion bit, uh, bit, kind of, cause they were on Hayes for a while. Um, the music is hard, it's in your face, uh, definitely showing more of a metal influence than, uh, from Bliss to Devastation, um. This is a legendary hardcore band, so to have a little bit more metal involved was pretty cool. Uh, the verse vocals are signature Tim Williams; his screaming is just as fierce as ever, and the choruses are a little bit more along the lines of from Bliss's Devest- this, from Bliss of Devastation and his work with Blood Simple, which I really liked. I actually that's kind of what made me fall back in love with Vision of Disorder was, re- was was listening to Blood Simple. A um, couple of highlights on this album are the opening track, Heart of Darkness, and the song Red on the Walls." definitely worth a listen. Um, check it out.
0: Now, before I get into mine, um, Pete, you walked in and said that you have some some releases to talk about, not necessarily new to this week, but ones that we didn't cover in the last few weeks as far as new, so pick one.
2: And let us know what we're talking sure. about. Uh so my first one is a band called Turbid North. <laughs> their uh, latest album called Eyes Alive, it actually came out last week I think. Um, This is an American death metal band and now they build themselves as death metal but at least on this album in particular, it's just, it's a mix of different metal styles and to give you kind of an idea like, the first the opening track starts off with kind of um, like a sludge stoner metal feel to it and it transitions into the next track which is more of a traditional death metal sound with maybe a few like groove metal uh, stylings you know, in, the, in, the, in the interlude and solos and then it actually goes into like death metal prog which I think you guys would like really dig I mean there's one track in particular on that album called um, Red Giant which is just fucking amazing so just all these varied styles in this band I mean in this album in particular make for like this really engaging listening <laughs> experience I had a really like Awesome time listening to this album. I definitely recommend for anybody out there that just likes metal in general because there's so many different styles on this one album. And that's Turbin North. Turbid uh, North. Oh, Turbid. Okay. Yeah, it's T-U-R-B-I-D. All right, cool. Turbid you said North. this came out last week. Came out last week, okay. I believe. Yeah.
0: Okay. For this week, um, the new Danzig covers album, Skeletons. Some people think, my love. Been kind of following bits about this for a little while, just because it's been here and there and everywhere. Um, Danzig, Glenn Danzig, formerly of the Misfits now of Danzig, recorded an album of cover songs. A lot of random tracks, a lot of random artists um, that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, Elvis Presley would be more obvious, but ZZ Top, The Young Rascals, The Trogs, among other groups. Um, I only got to hear two tracks from this. Um, because after hearing the second track, I didn't want to hear the rest of it. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, cause let, me, let me put it to you like this. Um, they cover a Black Sabbath song and an Aerosmith song on this album, which, you know, when it comes to cover albums, I immediately go for the thing that I know. No matter who it is, I'll go for the one that I, I, I know and I want to hear how they do it. First one I heard was NIB, um... And musically, it started off pretty good. The guitar sound is, is really... It's got a great crunch. And then Danzig comes on. And, like... His voice... He's still trying to do the same thing, but it's nowhere near as good. He's there's something he's, like, missing. It's it's like... He's sitting there barking, and he's forgotten that there's a little bit more to do it than just that. There's, like, you know, notes and vibrato and stuff. It just... It, it sounded like a throwaway track like a b-side from from an album it didn't it just didn't sound very good Um, and then I figured okay well let's try the other one Um, and it was Aerosmith, Lord of the Thighs which I feel is a underappreciated Aerosmith song I love that song it's a great track
1: I love that song
0: and Danzig's version of it like it started off a little pretty good and then it just kind of started to descend a little bit and it just sounds like he doesn't care like he's like just, just going through the motions. Like he's he's just just you know getting up there and uh, you know we're 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 warming up for a uh, for real material here. It just doesn't sound like he cares. And I was like this this is really just not good. <laughs> you know, I mean I want I I want to like like later Danzig stuff, but just it's just not not particularly great. Um, so I will likely not be listening to the full album. And I likely won't be hearing the full album until I pick up a. Very cheap used copy of it someday. <laughs> um, Which,
1: by the way, you're sounding, it might be real soon.
0: You never know, honestly. But I mean, like, I, it's just kind of disappointing because, like, again, I want to like later Danzig material, but he just doesn't sound like he's in it. So
1: <laughs> he's not helping himself out at all, huh? Yeah, not, not really. Just mm.
0: talking batshit and saying things and buying kitty litter. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, picture. And, and getting his fans kicked. In the face,
1: yeah, yeah, and then get his own ass kicked. Whatever.
0: We will not be tagging him in this post. No, definitely not. Sorry,
1: <laughs> Glenn. Yeah, <laughs> no. All right. Next up for me is a band called Cirocs. Serocs, S E R O C S. The the album is called "And When the Sky Was Open." Third full-length album from a, this is a multinational band. It's definitely a lot of different people from different nationalities. It started off as a one-man project. Uh, the main composer Antonio Ferrari. Anyway, he's, these I, I, I always do. I always do this to myself. At least one, um, but eventually um, the band progressed into a band. Actually, it involved a couple different lineup changes. Uh, but it looks like he's kind of solidified a rhythm section, so he's got the same bassist and the same drummer on this album as the previous one, uh, and he picked up another guitarist. He also plays guitar. Um, But apparently, the funny thing I found about this is that when I read about them on Metal Injection, apparently these guys have never played in the same room together. So it's one of those international dropbox kind of uh, bands where they probably record parts here and there, they trade off on the internet, Mm -hmm. comes together, and... It just get it comes out as a record.
0: It's like that big uh, that, that big project that Joseph Gordon Levitt has, the hit record thing.
1: Yeah, 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 it sounds like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it also makes me re- kind of reminiscent of um, I remember it was a big deal when Puff Daddy and Jamie Page did the track for Godzilla because mm-hmm. they never met. They did everything over the internet. Apparently, there was like videos about this. Like it was a big to do. Now it's just like you know whatever. Mm-hmm. Kind of and also like. Arianne did with uh, Devin. Yeah. Send his stuff, record it, send it back. Um, But back to the band. Holy fuck! Technical death metal. It is incredible. The guitar work is insanely good. <laughs> yeah, I wrote it
2: down in the script as "holy yeah. fuck." It, 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 it's literally written in here as
0: "holy fuck." Technical death metal. <laughs> Very detailed notes on this thing. <laughs>
1: Very detailed notes. The next line is like, "Oh my god!" OMG, LOL, LMAO. Anyway, the guitar work is incredible. Not just the riffs though, but the soul. The leads are just. They soar. They're so good. Um, The drums are chaotic and in-your-face. And the music spends the majority of time pummeling you. A lot of blast beats and stuff like that. Uh, But there is the occasional slowed-down and groovy section, which actually kind of makes it more listenable. So it's not like constantly beating you over head. There's a little bit of dynamic change, a little variation in there. Uh, This is definitely for fans of uh, groups like Cryptopsy and Nile. So if you like those two groups, check these guys out. Um, I highly recommend it for fans of holy fuck Tactical Deathmob. Holy
2: fuck. Awesome. So, Alright, so my second album is from a band called Ectomorph. Six
1: million victims A uniform
2: monster The angel of death The apocalypse That's temper of All sweet Convasion Last murder Fear factory Kill the never
0: forget,
2: never forget. It's called Aggressor. This actually came out, uh, I think, closer to the end, maybe like the very end of October. I think it
0: was. Uh, I think it was. Right. I think it was the first uh, weekend of this month. I mean,
2: somewhere around there. Yeah, like,
0: cause I, cause I know that I saw it. Like, um, I didn't get much less, uh, chance to listen to it, but uh, I did.
2: Well, the here's level. the thing: I'd never heard of them before, right? So, I'm doing some research. They're considered they're from Hungary and they're considered a groove metal band. This now thing is like maybe at some point they were groove metal. Cause this is their 11th album in 15 years. Holy shit. And, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But as far as this album's concerned, I would not call this groove metal. This is straight up like testosterone driven, like bro metal. That's just like very <laughs> just, you know, the, the simplistic kind of go fuck yourself kind of lyrics. And I, I don't know. It's just very generic and cliched throughout. Um, Kinda of sounds to me like, and I don't mean to offend any like Slayer fans that are out there, but it sounds like if you took like the latest Slayer album and you just ran it through a filter that turned it into new metal, like that's Ooh, what you would get. That's rough. Yeah, like this is what it sounds like. I mean, it's just.
0: I, I think if you ask certain people nowadays about Slayer, they'll say that they are new metal. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I don't, that's you know that's a fair point. I, I don't know. That's a whole different thing. I don't want to get into, but. Uh, yeah, I just, there's some tracks in here that are, like, pretty thrashy that I like, found myself kind of getting into. But overall, I mean, unless you're, like, a diehard, like, five-finger death punch kind of fan, I I don't see myself recommending this at all. Wow. Like yeah. Brutal.
0: So we will not be tagging. Yeah, no, tag.
2: we will tag. all be tagging <laughs> that meter.
0: i want to erase
1: that from my sticky notes now. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> deleted. Um, so. <laughs> <I delete it. laughs>
0: my next album is from a band called The Tumor called Marla. The Now, this is not to be confused with another band called A-Tumor, called Marla. This what? Is, this, wow. There's, there's another band out there called okay. A-Tumor, called Marla. This is THE tumor, called Marla.
1: Wow. Yes. I smell legal battle. Yeah. yeah absolutely,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. This been band, only been around for the last year, year and a half now, so um, I don't know who's going to win as far as who got to the, the title first. But they just released the trance EP... This is a band from Budapest, Hungary. So it's the second time we're mentioning Hungary tonight. I'm hungry. (laughs) You would be. (laughs) Their Facebook page lists them as electronic hardcore pop. I would... Again, it's one of those things I like, I get it. I I, I get it. I was going to sit there and say, like, it's pretty much you you fuse metalcore with uh, electronica. But not as much electronica in there. Um, It has a lot of the... um, that kind of staccato way of playing that, that metalcore does, a lot of those breakdowns and like, like that yeah. kind of shit. Um, but two vocalists, one is the male doing screaming and general harsh vocals. Um, I, don't want, I, I don't want to sit there and simply say harsh vocals because there are cleaner parts where you can understand them and then he starts to get a little bit more growly. But then on top of that you have a female voice, which sings all clean. So you put the two of them together on top of this metalcore sound, which is usually pretty melodic, On top of that, you throw in the electronic influence, which is either random beats or like heavy keyboard synth influence, and it just sounds like madness. And you'd think like with so much going on, it would sound like shit, but it's really good. It all kind of comes together and really works. Um, The EP itself is only seven tracks, two of which are outro and intro. But songs like Basement Tapes in a different tension—they're great, extremely catchy. I don't know what the hell they're saying, but they're not—they're singing in English. I just don't know what they're saying. But they do—you know—they they do have earworms in there. They'll get you, get you coming back and being like, you know, pounding your fist a little bit and just get you going. Um, you know, not normally my taste as far as you know, because I'm not a huge fan of metalcore. But these guys, something about them is just a little bit more alluring than the rest. So, the tumor called Marla, the trance EP, the tumor, the tumor.
1: The tuber called Mar... Yeah. <laughs> I'm a tuber. I'm a
0: tuber. I'm a tuber.
1: <laughs> All right. Up next for me is Culture Killer, Throes of Mankind. Never Uh, It's the debut album from the Florida Quintet. Um, If you like Hatebreed, you're going to like these guys. It's really good, uh, straightforward, hardcore. I mentioned last week that hardcore is a little touch and go for me. This band goes in the go for me. Um, The guitars are incredibly thick and right up in your face. Just like I said, just like Hatebreed, how they kind of like smash you in the face with a brick over and over again. Um, That's assault. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The vocals could be a, a little more comprehensive um but just other than that it's just a, really just a small gripe to have really I mean there's really nothing bad about it um highlights of this album include the breakdown and outro for the song called Hellbent which is almost a little doomy sludgy in sound and then the album opener Blindfold Death is just awesome so I highly recommend the Culture Killer well, not, the cul- not the Culture just Culture Killer
0: is it culture killer? Culture, yeah. I I, I fixed yeah, it. I was yeah. say you, you wrote just, it in there as cult killer. And I'll yeah, look. I just
1: fixed it. Yeah. Okay. Detailed okay. notes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Holy fuck! Technical death. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. So my third album is um, from a solo, like one man, uh, black metal project out of Germany called Horn. Their album Feldpost, and this is their sixth studio album. It's actually a concept album about, uh, so the, the word Feldpost translates to. Male from the field or like male from the the front line, you know. So, this is a whole concept album about male from soldiers, uh, in war. And for black metal, I mean, that concept works really, really well. Yes, um, I I kind of call this like entry level black metal. I don't mean that in a dismissive, kind of fucked up elitist way, it's just that this is really like not as abrasive, not as um. Disharmonic as as most black metal can tend to be, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that kind of lo-fi cult stuff. Um, so it's something that you could definitely, like, for someone who's never heard black metal before, like to kind of get them used to the genre, to get to introduce them to it. This would be really good. Um, as far as like subgenres of like black metal go, goes, this is definitely the, kind of the more has a kind of a pagan, like depressive feel to it. It's a very somber, slow, like melancholic pace throughout. Uh, there's actually one track in there that's much more of a thrash track. It's the second to last one on the on the album, um, which is a little bit out of place, but it still kind of works. Um, I actually read one review on Metal Archives uh, that talks about the uh, the guy's voice. Um, it's a little bit different than what you're used to in black metal, in the sense that you know you're used to those kind of screeches, a little bit more guttural. This guy has much more of a. He I think he described it as like a whiskey tone. Like it's definitely much more something like. A little bit more aggressive than what you hear in black metal, much more suited to a thrash metal, so it works. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's a, it's a damn good album. I mean, I definitely give this one some high marks, and um, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I can see pretty much if you're into black metal, you'll be into this. So. Cool. Definitely to have to check that one out. <laughs> My next one um,
0: is Chrome Over Brass. <laughs> Self-titled album from an instrumental project of Alex Garcia Rivera, uh, who is a specifically a drummer. Um, was he in I, Was he in
1: anything, or is he in any? Band I didn't that do we enough research know? on it to oh, okay.
0: really check that out. Um, but he just seems to have a whole lot of um, little solo things that are based around drumming. Um, and by I say based around drumming, I, I I mean like it is the highlight of the album. It's what drives the album. Everything else is kind of. Scaled back a little bit, or even maybe volume-wise, turned down a little bit for the drumming to take full effect. Um, because, like, instead of like the guitars being the, instead of the guitars being the riffage, it's pretty much the drums taking over, and the guitars just happen to be playing something that goes along with it. So, like, the drums are the driving force, um, and it's extremely skilled, very. It it happens. In, it comes in short bursts because like the tra- the album is about eight nine tracks long. Uh, the longest one I think is like three minutes long. The shortest one is about a minute and twenty two. And it's just like in your face for a minute and stops. Next track in your face for a minute and it stops. <laughs> and like th- it's not like they all sound exactly the same. They, they they're all kind of pretty varied, um, but it's just interesting to hear an instrumental album like this because you're used to you know guitar virtuosos or bass guys doing these things. It's this time it's it's a drummer. I know this isn't the first time it's been done. I know drummers release solo albums all the time, but it's always cool to hear because it's not just playing a rhythm. It's attacking you. It's attacking you like the guitarist would normally do. Um, but for a 20 minute, you know, burst of of energy, it's pretty goddamn good. Um but what you can, kind of
1: style is it? Can you tell?
0: As far as the the drumming goes, yeah, yeah, I don't really know enough. Okay. Yeah, it's just.
1: I was just curious if it was like a jazz style or anything like that, because that's a lot of free form and whatnot. It might be. Okay.
0: Honestly, um, there the album is up and streaming on um, the record label's webs uh, the record label Bandcamp, which is Deathwish Records. So if you want to listen to it, look up um, look up Deathwish uh, for on Bandcamp, and the album is self-titled so it's chrome over brass but like songs like um, bear attack like from the start of the song it's just nailing you in the face and the guitars are kind of like hey hang on I'm keeping up for
1: <laughs> wait for us yeah
0: yeah like the, the, the drums just take over and they, they just kill and it, it's good to see drummers really wail on things when they're not you know when they're not playing just playing a solo they actually have a full on set going so
1: all right Next one up for me is uh, Set to Stun. Uh, the album is called "Set to Stun" and the "Desperado Undead." That was a great title. Yes, wow. it is, um, especially when you, when I tell you the story behind it. Um, they call them, well, they call themselves a sci-fi post-hardcore trio. Uh, they're from California, and I'm going to give you the, the, pretty much the description that I copied and pasted from their Facebook page. Um, this album is their follow-up to their Dreamcatchers EP whose tracks are part of their upcoming full-length concept album, that's this one, chronicling the adventures of Billy the Kid King, a time-traveling vigilante, and last surviving member of the faction the Desperado Undead. Wow. Upon his journeys through time, he meets his, his nemesis Captain Jack the Ripper Trips reincarnations of his love interest, genies, demons, pirates, gunslingers, and the incarnations of evil itself.
0: The only thing you need now is like ninjas and bake. Well, <laughs> yeah. Any, a little cheesy.
1: Any, yeah. Well, the thing is, anybody can... I don't know if any of you guys are Stephen King's fans, Stephen King fans, but this is pretty much their rip-off. I would not say rip-off. Their, their homage, if you will, to the Dark Tower saga. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain Jack... The Ripper, obviously Jack the Ripper, but Trips is Captain Trips. is the the name of the disease, uh, from the Stand, uh, that kills everybody, which also plays a part in, in the Dark Tower. Uh, Billy the Kid King, King obviously being Stephen King. Um, the Desperado on that sounds just like the Gunslinger, um, Roland, who's you know pretty much a cowboy. He's a vigilante, and he, he does on a steel horse he rides. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> asshole (laughs) he does have visions of reincarnations of his love interest the whole nine this is pretty much an homage to Stephen King's Dark Tower I don't know if it directly is but that's what I read Mm. Um, now what I really liked about this album is the vocals are very diverse they uh, change from screaming shouting growling uh, to more of a high pitched clean singing style that's kind of reminiscent of like early 2000s emo screamo and pop punk which is actually, with, combined with the music, which is a little all over the place, ranging from punk and hardcore to thrash and traditional heavy metal, it really works. Like, the combination of all the sounds together is really, really interesting and fun. And plus, the whole thing has a very sci-fi video game aura over it. There's, like, kind of electronic parts that kind of um, play over everything. There's little ambient parts that, like, it sounds like a video game almost. Um, it took me a song to get into, Like, I really needed to get into it a little bit because, like I said, the vocals were drastically changing. It kind of threw me off at first. But it kind of just really dragged me in with the eclectic cross-genre sound and very nostalgic feel of of the vocals. And the concept description, I was dragged in because I love the Dark Tower saga, and that's exactly what it reminded me of. Uh, For highlights, it's uh, Staria 1 and 2, which is the album opener and closer. Um... I really enjoyed this album I actually followed the guys on Twitter they they reached out to me I told them how much I love the album I'm hoping to hear back from them I told them about this podcast and everything and maybe I'm, I might consider putting them as one of my uh, live show selections eventually so definitely worth a listen to
0: I got nothing else and Pete has nothing else so you got the last one Chris. I
1: got the last one yeah last one I listened to last night while Rachel and Lindsay were watching The Birdcage
0: great movie <laughs>
1: Um, it's called, the group is called The Moth Gatherer. The album is called The Earth is the Sky. It's the second album from the Swedish post-metal rock do, uh, tr- uh Actually, it's a trio. Um, but a lot of it has to do with there's two members of the band that created it. Um, they had a lot of personal loss. That's why they created this band uh, to kind of deal with their um, individual losses. Uh, there's a very dark tone to all the songs. The riffs are slow and sludgy. And the drums are very deliberate and pounding. It's not so much as they're as it's trying to keep a beat as it's just really accenting the... Um, the slowness of some of the tracks. Uh, There's ambient atmospherics that kind of lend itself to almost being kind of like a mellow industrial sound. So if you want to think of industrial as like um, ministry, take that down from like a 10 to a 2. Like I said, it's just kind of over everything. Uh, The instrumental passages can range from frightening, like in songs, uh, the black antlers, to serene and beautiful, like another thing I can't pronounce. That live pass. Um, yeah, but if you go to their Facebook page, you'll find links to their uh, their website. Uh, and it'll take you to, I think it's on, I forget whether it's on Spotify or Bandcamp, but their albums are streaming. You can check them out, it's really good stuff. I highly, highly recommend it for
0: everybody. So, that's it for new releases. Uh, let's talk about what else you've been listening to this past week. Um, because it has been uh, i 've had a chance to sit in my car and listen to a lot of stuff this week, so, yeah uh, yeah, so so Chris start us off
1: yeah um i 've been traveling a lot for my clients and whatnot, so I just kind of picked up where we talked about our our favorite non metal stuff last week in the podcast, so I, I picked one from pretty much each kind of section that I talked about, yeah. so I, Fiona Apple for the female fronted or, or just female singer songwriter. Pearl Jam for the alternative side, and Van Morrison for classic rock. Mm-hmm. It's because it was really good. Um, because VOD released their album this week, went back and listened to Blood Simple. Uh, just some random metal here. I got Satyricon, Meshuggah, uh, Abhorrent, which is um, a new band that got, they released their debut album last week. That was pretty good. Um yep. I listened to the latest records from Soilwork, Trivium, Seven Dust, and Tesseract because they all were really fucking good. And then Barrows and Pelican uh, because Instuprag is awesome.
0: Instuprag is awesome. Yes. Nice.
2: Nice. Yeah, no, it's been a busy week, but I try to get in just a few random things. Like, since last week, too, I've been listening to uh, some industrial stuff just because we talked about, like, I mentioned Rammstein and what got me into it, so... Listening to them, listening to like Icebreaker. Um, there's a new band that just came out uh, from Germany called Erdling, which is kind of like a industrial like dark rock kind of band and that's pretty cool. Uh, they released a couple of singles uh, not too long ago. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much been it for me. And of course, the stuff that I listened to for this week. Right.
0: I had a six-hour total car ride. Because I drove to Houston to go see Blind Guardian Right So I got to listen to Night at the Opera by Blind Guardian I got to listen to uh, Beyond the Red Mirror by Blind Guardian um, Tori Amos, Little Earthquakes What else did I listen to? Uh, Arian, Zero One Because Hansi. Hansi's on the album uh, Let's see, let's see, let's see So I, I think that was pretty much it for the most of the trip
1: well, I mean, Arian's two discs right there. Yeah, that covered <laughs> most of the
0: drive home. Um, I, don't, I don't think, like, towards the end of the uh, the drive there, we didn't have music on. Um, but what else was there? There was one other thing in particular that I, kept, I was going to mention, but I forgot. Oh, uh, the the last Amorphous album. Right. I, when I went out shopping last week, I had mentioned briefly in the last podcast that I had gone to Hogwild Records, and... Uh, my purchase there for the day was a physical copy of Under the Red Cloud by Amorphous, which was my number two for September. And I was very happy to get it. I was also very happy to, to realize that my copy had two bonus tracks. I had never heard those tracks. So I was listening to that this week. Score. Which, which nice. gotta love that album. It's so fucking good. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. It's just been, you know, trying to... I, I got, like, the new releases pretty much out of the way early. Um, and, you know... It, we're getting to the point where things are kind of whittling down as far as the new releases, so I'm getting a little bit more time to listen to other things and not feel bad about it.
1: Yeah, I want to. I want to ask you what you want to do when things are really slow like that. Like maybe pick up like maybe two or three social media highlights for the week. No, no. Okay. Oh.
0: No. Do you, do you do you not see the board right here? I
1: have work to be right. done <laughs> that I will pick two or three because I got a board of social media people that I need to catch up with anyway. Okay. Fucker.
0: Oh, I, I, I'm I'm going to be editing a lot of bullshit in the next month. So yes, you are. So yeah, that we'll we'll get into that later. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just been kind of. Uh, again, it's another one of those just self-indulgent. Like whatever, I go through my iPod and I uh, turn it on. So like "Soul Invictus" by Faith No More. That was last week. <laughs> okay, get that motherfucker on the phone, <laughs> dude.
1: So. I. I... Man, I listened to that so much when it came out. I it's, I couldn't stop. It was so it's, fucking it's so, good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's freaking amazing. Uh, so that's it for new releases. Let's talk about general news. And I think most of what you have written here is like Fallout from... From the Paris thing, yeah, so. that's
1: the that's the main that was the main topic really. Um, I think it's pretty much a very slow news week this week, only because um, here in America, obviously, the holiday Thanksgiving kind of slowed things down a little bit. A lot of the news sites kind of shut down Thursday and Friday uh, for it. Um, but anyway, the main thing here: um, Five Finger Death Punch and Papa Roach show in Milan was canceled. Uh, now, this one I mentioned a little earlier. Uh, about Lamb of God and Randy Blythe saying that specific shows were being targeted. Now, apparently, the the activist group, the hacktivist group Anonymous, this is a group of uh, hackers that go around hacking computers and doing all sorts of things. The ones who did, did the uh, the Ashley Madison thing and whatever. Um, but they've been pretty much waging their own war against ISIS, and they found on their in their you know thing. Uh, that the concert in Milan has been specifically targeted by ISIS for an attack, similar to what happened in Paris. Mm-hmm. So obviously, they tried to make the show happen up until like the last second. Um, logistics, security, it just couldn't meet up the standards, so they they canceled the show. Mm-hmm. Um, then the later that week, uh, actually earlier this week on Tuesday, that is um, the band Five Finger Death Punch and Power Rush had a show scheduled for Paris that ultimately got postponed. Not because it was targeted by the same thing. Security issues, logistics, just can't just can't get anything going on. Um, Five Finger Death Punch did issue a statement quote We are still on tour in Europe and we are evaluating each show day by day. A lot of work and analysis goes into each decision. Since the events in Paris last week, the situation is still very chaotic, a lot of misinformation A lot of uncertainty in some places, but the most important factor is the safety of the fans, which we are not willing to compromise. As a result, for now, for now, we will have to postpone the Paris show. Please stay tuned for more info. Now, because of these things, um, the Milan cancellation, the Paris postponement, Papa Roach and Devil You Know, who were both on this tour, ultimately decided to leave the tour with three dates remaining. Mm. Um, Papa Roach issued a statement saying, "Quote." We pride ourselves for rarely canceling shows, but our crew is an essential part of our organization. And because they, unfortunately, could not continue the tour due to their logistical challenges and uncertainties, we could not either. Um, same thing happens with Devil uh, You Know. So they decide to pack up, go back to America. Five Finger Death Punch still intends to finish the last three dates of the tour. Um, so, concerning what we've, we talked about with Lamb of God. A lot of other bands canceled the, the remaining of their European tours. Why are they trying to be so macho about it and not just pack it up and 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 just let it go?
0: See, what I like in, in the explanation given by Papa Roach, they say like, you know, the crew is trying to meet the challenges, but they can't. As in like, to, to continue the show, we have to do these things, and we cannot do them. It's not like you know they're saying like, oh we're canceling the show, we're going home. They're saying, like, we're trying to, but we can't. Because yeah. in the wake of all this, there's a whole lot of people on the other end basically saying, like, oh, you're canceling your shows? You're a bunch of pussies. It's like, okay, when that happens at your show, you go, go to every single corpse in the audience and say, oh, you're a pussy, get up. <laughs> yeah. Like, like these 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 bands are still trying despite, despite the fact that they are um, in the face of a great adversity, not only just from from the people who have the venues, but also from these potential threats. They're trying. And you're you're giving them shit when they have to cancel the show or when they decide maybe it's safer to stay home. You know? and, and I
1: think the, the the horrible thing about it is that these these bands are getting flack for it in the metal community itself. We talked about the Destruction Frontman kind of calling out Lamb and God for being a bunch of pussies. Mm-hmm. But then again, Camelot Singer came out and said he doesn't respect any bands who are canceling European shows. Yeah. It's like, like, I I think the European people don't seem to have an understanding of why American bands are doing this. Because American bands and American people are more of a target, I think, than anybody else. I, I, for, unfortunately, these things happen in foreign countries, but as an American band in a foreign land, I wouldn't want to be anywhere near anybody except home.
0: Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people don't like America. Yeah. So. And we're
1: talking about some bands that, like, pretty much are prototypes of what everyone dislikes about America, Five Finger Death Punch. Not exactly a very pro, like, pro-act, I mean, great they're for the troops and all that stuff, but the thing is, like, people outside of America is like, you guys are douchebags.
0: Yeah. And, and considering we were talking about uh, Lamb of God before, like, um, the fact that Randy Blythe is still doing this in the face of everything that's, that's happened to him, like, the fact that he's doing, like, the band and the shows, that takes a lot. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> it's like, like, I got arrested for for trying to do do my craft in a different country. I got beaten up standing out on the street while with my band in a different country. Right. I want to think, like, say... And it's bad to bring up a sore subject, but say that Dimebag had lived after being shot. If he wanted to take some time off from the road, I would have been like, you take all the time you fucking need. Bro. <laughs> if he never wanted to yeah. take take the stage
1: yeah. again and just record albums, I would yeah, have been if like, he, if yeah. He, if he yeah. If he never well, wanted good. to
0: play live again, I would be A-okay with that because, dude, like, that is a fucked up situation. This is a fucked up situation. Like, you should be able to act accordingly, and not even just for yourselves, but for the people who are coming to see you.
1: Yeah, I mean, people were kind of like giving him shit saying that you let the terrorists win. It's like, yeah, but if. What if something did happen, yeah. and a lot of more people died that 's letting the terrorists win mm-hmm. i mean either way it's like you damned if you do you damn it if you don't absolutely it's,
2: it sucks yeah have you all seen the uh, the interview with the Eagles of death metal? Uh, that uh, I did nice not great. watch that, like that video first time I heard talking it was, about it since mm-hmm. I heard it was uh, really really it. rough it 's extremely tough to watch, and I mean so one of the most like poignant moments in that whole thing was when um the lead singer uh, Jesse, Jesse Hughes. Hughes, like, he talks about, like, like right after it happens, like, he runs off stage, and, like, the first thing he's, all he's thinking about is, like, his girlfriend, right, because he, he doesn't see her in the dressing room, he doesn't see her in the, in the immediate, like, uh, area, so he starts looking for her, and he says that he's walking through the backstage hallways, and at that point, he's, like, amazed because of all the confusion, right, and that he actually sees one of the shooters, Shooter actually is about to point the gun at him, but the gun gets like caught in like the door frame, right? So in that split second, he turns around the other way and runs, and actually stops people from going that direction. And um, eventually, he finds his uh, his girlfriend and things like that, and he kind of gets uh, things under control and tries to get, get, help get everyone out of the out of the of the venue. Um, he also talks about the fact that he found out later that a bunch of people tried to hide in his dressing room. And one of the gunmen actually found them and slaughtered everybody there except one person who hid under Jesse's jacket. Now, so we're talking about all this, right? And as you're watching this video, I mean, to see how much this weighs on Hughes and the rest of the band, it's painful to watch. And so when you kind of tell people, like, hey, your pussy's for canceling or whatever, it's like, listen... I wouldn't wish this kind of shit on anybody. Like you were in family (laughs) band, it doesn't matter. Like if you don't feel like it's worth the risk to have something like this happen, that's a good call, in my opinion. Definitely.
0: I mean, some people will probably also like try to argue that, like, oh, like you know, it could happen at any show, any given time. But it's like, okay, but this is happening now. We didn't know this was coming. All this is happening now. So how about we just kind of let things blow over for a little while, take a step back, and just re- regroup a little bit. So I, I just I just hate that that people are so like gung ho about not letting terror terrorists win. It's like um, they just they just hit a pretty hard battle right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: That was a big win right there, okay. guys. I'm pretty sure that
0: was not an entire war. That was just a simple battle. <laughs> Give it some more time, but just it just drives me crazy this this macho kind of bullshit it's like keep your people safe
1: yeah really keep your people safe it's so silly yeah. um one last bit uh, in the fallout of paris just concerning us uh children of Bodom was supposed to play a show in brussels belgium um the show has been cancelled due to a city-wide security clampdown which began on november 21st and of course is in wake in, of uh the the third the november 13th terrorist attacks in paris I think this was like a weekend-long clampdown. Like, they shut down things the 21st, and it's supposed to last for several days mm. just to make sure that everything kind of... They got their shit back together, pretty much. Yeah. Um. So that's that's been the last couple things from that. But again, Children of Bowdoin was the one that was on that Lamp tour with Silosis, and they're still trying. It's just not working. Mm-hmm. I mean, when... Who makes the call of when to just pack it in and be let's try again later? Like, who makes that call? Is it the band, the promoters? I mean, that does, it doesn't seem that anyone's. No one wants to take responsibility for this shit at the moment. Yeah. So ridiculous.
0: Well, so, someone should just, you know, like even the, like any member of the band should just be like, "Yeah, there's a lot of shit going on here, but ultimately we decided it's time to pack it in," because it kind of seems like you know, with with Papa Roach, they were saying like, "These guys can't do their stuff." So we can't do our stuff. So therefore, we're all going home. That's right. Kind of, that's kind of them saying, "Yeah, final word. We're doing this. Let's get out of here." Yeah. So it's just it's it's definitely a rough situation, and if people can't understand that, then it sucks. Then it's stupid. Fuck yeah. them. All
1: right. So on a lighter note, but kind of heavy, um, Phil and Selma, our favorite, who's getting us a whole lot of shit for uh, on our on our uh, house just, court. Just a review. tiny bit of shit. Yeah, that chick was adamant about Phil being awesome.
0: I actually have a uh, a, a story about that to add on after you're done talking. Okay.
1: Well, Philip Anselmo is singing and writing material for a new death metal project called... (sighs) Metroton... Something. (laughs) I'm not even going to try anymore. This is terrible. Um, But the group includes drummer Jose Manuel... Gonzalez, who's in Superjoy, War Beasts, and The Illegals, which is Phil Anselmo's other solo band, and is said to be the sounds of immolation and incantation. So just yet another project for Phil Anselmo to be onslaughting us with, which P and I were talking about earlier today. Mm-hmm. Say what you will about his live performances in certain bands. Whatever he puts out on record is always fucking awesome mm-hmm. and always worth the pickup, so get another thing that... I'm going to be buying from Phil Anselmo that doesn't involve yeah. Mike Patton or Mike Portnoy. So.
0: Or any, anybody else in The Sun who does a million and a half records. Right? I mean, Jesus. <laughs> now, my uh, my story was um, earlier this week we started getting a lot of random views for the House Call Horror uh, video for the I Saw a Show. Um, which, I don't know why it just started getting so many views because it started off we got like maybe like 10, 12, whatever and then it just started getting up like 2, 4...
1: You know what I think eight, it is? What? Earlier, after we posted it, a lot of the San Antonio footage got posted on like Blabbermouth and other websites. Mm-hmm. And when you go to YouTube pages like that, oh yeah, related links. So if someone decided to click on it, there we are.
0: That is possible, yeah. So, but so it's up to like fifty some odd views now, which is pretty good for my channel. Yeah, it um, is. But it was all clear for a little while, and then I got. Two thumbs down, <laughs> and a comment in return, basically saying, like, first of all, pointing out that we were incorrect that the band on stage, most of it, were members of Down. That's what she was saying, which is fine. It has nothing to really do with how we feel about Phil's um, on-stage presence. And she was saying that um, a lot of people like his loquacious nature. Yeah.
1: She actually used the word loquacious. Oh,
0: loquacious. Man. She, yeah. If I'm uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing the word correctly. Yeah, yeah that's correct.
1: Yeah. Again, that's a uh, Inglorious Basterds. It's like your friend over there, Stiglitz, he's the loquacious type. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so I I did my my best to simply do a response, basically saying that, like, yes, people do like it. We don't. The this end. Is, <laughs> this is
1: our opinion, and Indeed. she also made mention that we don't disagree, and obviously
0: which. Well, we, which true we 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 don't disagree all that often because we go to a show to see the show. It's not like we're going to sit there and go to a sh- go pay to see a show and then go well that. That sucked,
1: and then argue about it. Yeah, I mean we're brothers for Christ's sake.
0: Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and I, I'm not gonna bring someone along who hates a band just so we can have an argument. I'll be like, no, we're gonna go to the show because I bought the tickets for him for Christmas. That's what that's what hipsters do. Yeah. But
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> but shut up. <laughs> no, no, no. i think thinking. <laughs> Uh, that Simpsons episode where where the band where Lisa has a vision about being in a band is like, and they're the second best band in the world, and it's like they start getting booed. It's like, why would people come to a show to boo us?
0: <laughs> 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 <That> <laughs> Sorry, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but um, while while driving to um, the Blind Guardian show, I had mentioned this to Lindsay. And uh, she was like, Well, I want to see. And she, she pulls it up, starts looking at the comments, and goes, I'm going to like this video. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> that was her. That was her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: So the one like that we have is my wife basically saying, <laughs> Fuck you, person. I like you.
1: Awesome. <laughs> that was fantastic. All
0: right. Um, so my story is done. Last bit of general news.
1: So actually, there's two bits of general news. One of we haven't written in here because it happened this morning. But anyway, the first one is Fear Factory. Was involved in a bus accident in Germany heading Isn't to Munich. A bus yeah, who the fuck the, hires
2: these drivers? I mean, yeah, what's new going segment on on this show about bus accidents?
1: Um, no one was hurt, and this will not affect the remainder of the tour. Apparently, there was an update later that the the bus company got in touch with them that their bus is going to be repaired within a week, um, That's cool. and they're just moving on with the tour. Like I said, nobody got hurt, so. That's a good thing.
0: That's very positive. Because
1: this this bus accident thing might turn into our new cancer bit, though. I was going to say we don't, need, we don't we don't we don't need
0: another we don't need another GoFundMe for a bus accident. Yeah,
1: really. Um, and the last bit of news that came out this morning. Um, speaking of Germany, actually, Motorhead had to cancel a show in Germany, and it's not for Lemmy. Phil Campbell was uh, hospitalized, and there's no there was no issue uh, no. No update of whether what the issue was, but he was hospitalized, so they had to cancel their show in Germany tonight.
0: That means that we can't play the "Everything Is Awesome" clip. I was so excited because I woke up this morning like, yes, we can finally play it, and then this happens, and I'm like,
1: fuck, <laughs> <It's> like bullshit. <laughs> you, should, you just not even think about it. We should just it should just dawn on us in the middle of the podcast, like, <gasps> oh yeah, and then we'll we'll flip through something and someone died or something. God like that. Like, damn it! We it's- are we we made this this idea that. Because ever since we started this podcast, every week has been like either someone has passed away, or someone has been diagnosed with cancer, or something horrible has happened. Yeah. Um, and we said, once we report some one week, once we get through a day, a podcast where we don't sit, announce something horrible or someone getting sick, we will play the "Everything Is Awesome" track from the Lego Movie. And ever since we said that, we have not done it once. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah we we. Um, I think we initially said it was because of the fact that like every single week it was cancer. We originally said cancer, but we just kind of extended it to be everything else. And just every week, someone's in the hospital. Someone's getting like sick. There's there's five locusts. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my fault, I swear to God. <laughs> and just it, it's just I think we started that in the fourth episode. This is number seventeen. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just, it's been like
1: three months. <laughs> yeah.
0: For, for one week, can we just? Please, all be safe.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But but then we can answer the discussion that we had like a couple, many podcasts ago about enough is enough for bands like Motorhead, especially with failing health concerns and whatnot. Uh,
0: Have we had any sort of concerns about Phil Campbell's health in the recent past? No. No, this is
1: something new. So I'm thinking it's probably like he got really sick, like food poisoning. He's in Germany. I mean, you know, bad Vienna sausage will do that to you. Um, or, you know, I don't know if he's still, if, if he's as, as much a drinker as Lemmy is, he might be dehydrated, for Christ's sake. Who knows?
0: Yeah. But, either way, hopefully we'll find out what's going on. Hopefully it's nothing too serious, and he gets better. Because, we're seriously, we're getting tired of hearing bad things about Motorheads. From yeah, the- really. Yeah. This has done. not
1: been a good year for them.
0: Yeah, seriously. Alright, now on to recording news.
1: Alright. Picking right back up with our good friend Phil Anselmo. Okay, so we already talked about his new death metal band, we talked a little bit ago about his new black metal band, uh, Scour, which is involving members of Cow's Decapitation and Pig Destroyer, but also he's working on material for a new Phil Anselmo and The Legals album, uh, and he's also writing music for a new Super Joint album, so motherfuckers busy, and like I said, whatever he puts out it's awesome, so I will... More than likely, buy it. That loquacious motherfucker. Loquacious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, moving on. Dark Funeral entering the studio early in 2016 and to record a new album. And Pete is over here shaking his head. Uh, I think we just hit the boner meter for Peter.
2: Yeah, said that it should be out early that year too. So awesome. Yeah.
1: You know, I don't really know much about them, so but.
2: Just a name I've heard.
1: Yeah, I've heard them forever.
2: Yeah. So. Yeah.
1: Danzig. dan's favorite guy that we're not tagging in this uh he says he has a new album of all original material three quarters of the way done looking at a possible 2016 release more than likely from the i kept on reading on different news sites that it's more than likely going to be a 2016 release
0: i would hope so if he's three quarters of the way done
1: yeah well how long did chinese democracy take
0: that's completely different. That's
1: gross. <laughs> oh, wow. Speaking of albums taking a long time, Tool, Dan's other favorite band. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, just, you just give me all the good news today. I'm giving you all the
1: good news. Um, I put this in as a quote-unquote update because it's more of an update about not updating things. Um, guitarist Adam Jones recently spoke with Rolling Stone magazine and says the band has upwards of 20 song ideas.
0: So, they, so they've had twenty ideas of writing a song, but they haven't done it yet.
1: Yeah, pr- pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I think like, they they probably text messaged each other a couple of times, and yeah, that's about it.
0: Yeah, you want to write a song? Yeah, and
1: maybe. of course, again, no release time frame. So you know, you know
0: what this kind of sounds like Metallica. Yeah, that's exactly. What I was gonna say <laughs> we're working it. hard on the new album. We're gonna get it, we're gonna
1: get a new Metallica album and Tool album at the same time in 2017.
0: And we're going tour together.
1: Hey. Hey. (laughs) No. Hey, you stop.
0: (laughs) We have to buy extra seats for the erection. (laughs) (laughs) the
1: three or four rows in front of us. (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right. Um, Early next month being December, because we're still in November here, my favorite band, one of my favorite bands, Behemoth is going to be releasing live at the BBC. Uh, This was recorded at the BBC radio station with Daniel P. Carter on December 8th, 2014. So this is a year in the making. So anything that Behemoth releases is going to be awesome, and I've seen live clips of them, especially on their Satanist Satanist. tour, and they are spectacular. Mm -hmm. They sound pretty much exactly like they Mm -hmm. do on the record, and I look forward to anything that they do. So, big deal. Here's a big deal. Jimmy Page. You know that guy who was in that band, Led Zeppelin? Yeah, he Played says he plans end. on starting to record a his first solo album in 27 years. Um, his main thing, he's saying, he's a little all over the place about what he wants to do, but um, I got a quote from his interview saying, I'm known for playing many styles of guitar, and I need to revisit all the different styles I can play. He's not, I'm not thinking about singers, I'm thinking of an instrumental thing. What? <laughs> <Boy. laughs>
0: thinking he's so old. I can play so many styles, I forgot how to play them all. I need time to remember.
1: Well, I think he he was just on recently at a show, I think it was last week, um, where a lot of different members of different bands, I think Allison Chains were involved, a couple other people, uh, paid homage to him. And he actually got up on stage and played a couple songs with them. So he probably got the fire sparked up again. He just finished doing the whole re 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 releases of all the, the Led Zeppelin albums. Mathiratory uh, gesture. Yeah. Um so it's about time he got something new going on. Especially if this is his first solo album in twenty seven years. It's I mean people's careers don't last that long. Yeah. So and he mentions all the different styles he can play. I love all the instrumental stuff that's on like almost every single Led Zeppelin record is always an instrumental Track on that's really good. So, if he decides to go out there and start plucking away at a banjo, I'll be happy.
0: That would be pretty interesting. Him and Steve Martin together, yeah, mm-hmm. right? That'd be pretty cool.
1: That would be pretty I'd cool. Like that. All right, uh, Crosses is uh, one of uh, Chino Marino from Deftone's side projects. Uh, this is actually the one I didn't listen to because I listened to his band Palms, but not this one, unfortunately. Never got caught up on this. Um, they're checking in in the studio to make their follow-up to their 2014 um, debut, and it is expected again in 2016. So, Chino Marino, new Deftones record next year, new Crosses album next year.
0: You wrote in here, it's Chino Marino, um, ex-Far guitarist Sean Lopez, and then just Chuck Doom. <laughs> Chuck Doom is the single greatest name I've ever heard in my entire life.
1: <laughs> well, they don't tell you that that's our dad. <laughs> we just don't know it.
0: I, I, I think of the uh, the George Carlin bit about like manly names.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> Chuck <laughs> Stick,
0: <laughs>
1: <Webstar>. Ground Chuck. <laughs> um, and this past week, Megadeth has their new single "The Threat Is Real" streaming. Um, it was streaming ahead of uh, Record Store Day, uh, which was actually today, Black Friday. Uh, while we record this, so yeah. the single came out today. Record I think it's store on day vinyl was today. I think so. Yeah,
0: hmm. the record store day was its own thing in like the middle of like yeah, like
1: I, th- that
2: kind of is weird to have it on Black Friday.
1: I think they change it up. I, I I really like every time I hear about record store day, it's a different date, it's a different time of year, mm. and it makes sense for a Black Friday release. I mean, people are gonna go out and buy it, you know, metalheads. So, well, that's uh, that's the last bit of recording news I have. I mean, we've been we've been uh, announcing a lot of records coming up in 2016. So 2016 is shaping up to be a really awesome year right off the bat. Yep. So so we want to just get right into touring news?
0: Get right into touring news because it's going to make the next year even better.
1: Yes, it is. Check this out. Um, Death Heaven and Power Trip uh, have been announced as support acts for the Lamb of God Anthrax Tour. The last Death Heaven album I really enjoyed. I'm not, I'm not sure about Power Trip. Do you know them?
2: Uh, no, I no? do not know about Power Trip.
1: Well, Death Heaven, like I said, I really like them. It seems to be kind of a, a weird pick for that tour, though, considering yeah. Anthrax is the old-school thrashlamic guys, like, new school, um, old, like, new wave of American heavy metal and and Death Heaven is more of a black metal band.
2: Yeah, kind of exper almost experimental black yeah. metal. Yeah, you know, and like they're to me they're kind of like the ghost <laughs> of the black metal scene in the sense that a lot of people like to make fun of them that they're kind of making black metal hipster. Yeah, or yeah, 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 yeah. But no, I mean, I agree. It's it's pretty. It, they're to me, I like the last album. And but yeah, this is a weird pick to put in with them. So yeah. it should be I interesting was, show.
1: I think like their songs are actually really long too, so they might get like two songs in for their opening spot and then be done. Like. It seems weird. But hey, more exposure for them. Good for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did actually make it out to their charts a couple of weeks ago. I mean, for a black metal band, that's pretty fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> um, here's a band I've, <clears throat> I've heard so much about I've never listened to. 1349. And it's the numbers, not spelled out. It's 1349, uh, Tombs and Full of Hell. Uh, they're going to hit the road together in January for what they've dubbed the Chaos Raids Tour. So that should be interesting to see.
2: Heard 1349, but not tombs and full of hell. Uh,
1: 1349. They're they're another black metal band, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, like, very like <clears throat>
2: like like aggressive black metal. Like very in the, much in the traditional veins of that genre. Okay, um, good stuff. All
1: right. um, our favorite band from Sweden, Ghost. They announced another string of European tour dates. These guys are just all over the place now, and it's great. I love that band so much. I, I love to see them on the road. I love to see them on TV. It's it's just really cool. Um, here's the big one that came out. I think it was yesterday morning it was announced. Slayer is going to be hitting the road in uh, early parts of 2016 with Testament and Carcass. That uh, sounds like a good show. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so far, only one date has been announced. It's March 3rd at the Fillmore in Philadelphia. Uh, additional dates including additional details including all dates and venues are expected to be revealed in the next couple days so I'm sure sometime next week we'll hear more deal, uh, deals about that
0: I would actually consider going to see that
1: I would see it too I would definitely see it too just because I want to see Slayer again mm. uh, with Gary Holt in the band I haven't seen him with Gary Holt yet um, and I want to see Testament again yeah. uh, the last time I think I saw I, I was supposed to see Testament we were hanging out in the parking lot at Jones Beach it was at the Metal Masters tour we didn't, We caught the very tail end of the Testament set. Was I at that? Yeah. I don't.
0: Even you me, know.
1: you me, and Rachel. We were hanging out in my buddy Logan's play um, car before the show. We were listening to Testament in the car, <laughs> but we missed Testament. Man,
0: I, I barely remember at this point. Wow.
1: Well, that was, that was in two thousand eight. So we're we're talking almost I eight years ago. Wasn't drinking then, so. <laughs> Still, regardless, but uh, that's it for touring news.
0: Okay, um, now our our new segment that you seem to enjoy so very much.
1: I really do enjoy this. This is so much fun.
0: Um, Actually, the first thing that you have listed here, uh, the segment is Heavy Metal in the Charts. First thing you have here kind of bothers me because I was like, wait, that album came out already? What?
1: Yeah, it came out last week. And we didn't cover it last week. (laughs) Or was it? No. I think it was last week. No, we didn't. I downloaded it. I yeah. did listen to it.
0: We, we got it from Skateboard, yeah. and I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I realized it came out, I was like, oh, I might as well listen to it now. I haven't listened to it
1: yet. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't listened so. to it either. But I love Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I actually listened to Sabotage recently. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of members of that band were in, are in Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Um, we mentioned Circle Circle a couple yeah. weeks ago. Certain someone's going to go see them. Yep. So it's uh, they debuted with Letters from the Labyrinth at number
0: seven. Which honestly is no surprise. I mean, it's that time of year for yeah. them. It's, like, they they have such, um, I don't want to call it a shtick, the thing is, a lot of people who would not be into heavy metal know the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Because of the Christmas things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly.
1: And you know what?
0: Awesome. So, sure. if you're a band, and you want to have, uh, if you want to have long-lasting uh, career, stick to a holiday. <laughs> Twisted need,
1: Sister Christmas.
0: We need a Jewish heavy metal band that comes out for Hanukkah, does, like, a big seven-day tour. Eight day tour, whatever it is, eight crazy <laughs> nights, <laughs> two thousand sixteen. Okay, so seven day tour and then like a day of rest, but we need we need like a Hanukkah band, like nah. No,
1: my favorite thing is um, Anthrax issued a Hanukkah Anthrax ugly sweater. You know how all the bands that jumped on the ugly sweater trend course, for their yeah. Anthrax Hanukkah sweater. I'm okay with that. Yeah, sure. Because Scott Ian the heavy metal Jew. <laughs> Good on them. Um, so continuing on, Beatles one. We talked about this one last week. I was surprised by its high charts on, at number six, um, but Dan told me that it was uh, recently re-released. Mm. So it's dropped down to number 35, which of course is still a very respectable number considering the um, the fact that the Beatles have been around forever. It's the same goddamn album. So... <laughs> Five-Figure Death Punch got your six. On the Rise again, coming up from 64 up to 60.
0: I can't, like, hear the title of that album without just laughing now.
1: Okay. Get your six! got your six! <laughs> Especially because you made that joke twice in September. I
0: know, it's just... <laughs> it was a great joke.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Neil Young released a new album. Oh, yeah? Blue, Mo- Blue Note Cafe, debuting at number mm. 89.
0: <laughs> Neil Young... I do like Neil Young, but he's one of those guys who releases an album every year and a half, two years, and basically just says, I'm not dead. <laughs> not around. yet. Still kicking.
1: <laughs> I think I'll go for a walk now. <laughs> I'm not quite dead. Anyway, Def Leppard. Dan? <laughs> Def Leppard <laughs> continues to fall down to 190, 115.
0: Yeah, they've been falling since 1980-something. <laughs>
1: um. Kurt Cobain, the uh, soundtrack to his, uh, the documentary montage from of Heck, debuts at 121, which actually is kind of surprising to me.
0: Is it a lot of... It's a lot of
1: home records, a lot of rough stuff. Okay, so... So okay. It, it makes sense that, I mean, this is for, like, the true fans and people who watch the documentary. Yeah. So yeah, I
0: was going to say, it's not like um, that self-titled Greatest Hits that had the one new track on it. That it yeah, had. yeah. It's not like that. It's not
1: like that. <clears throat> All right. Disturbed still in the charts with Immortalized, but it continues to slide from one twenty six down to one forty five. Yep. Uh, we got some greatest hits still up there with the usual mainstays, but we got some new ones in there from Elton John.
0: Which uh, which Elton John?
1: Oh, uh, it's a specific year set. Um okay. so, so I it's, think it's from so like seventies like to like nineties.
0: Okay, yeah, because I'm thinking of like the, the two disc. Um the two disc one which would cover like so much material that if it was a lot of streaming it makes a lot of sense yeah so
1: um, Billy Joel one of the greatest hits I mean pretty much they put Piano Man on it and they played that over and over again Captain
0: Jack Moving Out you know River Dreams all those tracks I think
1: that was another one that had years in it so I want to think I want to say that was probably before Stormfront before his 80s material okay uh, GNR is um, their greatest hits is back on the on the charts. Appetite for Destruction is off after the big just hype just about the reunion tour last week. Um, Master of Puppets is at one seventy nine, and Justice for All is at one ninety five, still holding strong in the top two hundred. Um, this week's from out of nowhere. Michael Jackson is back on the charts, not with one album but two, Bad and Thriller, one eighty nine and one ninety one respectively.
0: I wonder what that's gonna like the, the with all the changes as far as streaming and whatnot, what that's gonna do for sales of these bigger albums Thriller is one of the highest selling albums of all time yeah um I think the number one best selling album of all time in the US is Eagles greatest hits I think it was
1: su- that was surpassed I wanna say by Shania Twain
0: Shania Twain in the I US said,
1: I think so I think Shania Twain has one of those has one of those records up like it's She's in the top five, I think. Yeah. Like I think so. She's one of those crossover country pop things, so it doesn't make doesn't surprise me. I'll
0: have to look into it. But I'm sure that that streaming probably helps them out a lot. If 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 they're playing one of their big hits and it's it's contributing to the sales of a greatest hits album, it's gotta be boosting those numbers up pretty much. Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, just Hotel California on its own. Yeah. You know.
1: Well, and they're probably pulling that from The Greatest Hits Mm -hmm. instead of the album Hotel California Um, and the last bit of uh, information I have about heavy metal in the charts that has nothing to do with heavy metal is that a lot of uh, Christmas music is in the charts now obviously so people like right before Thanksgiving up until probably December 26th there's going to be a lot of Christmas stuff on there Um, we talked last week about not on the podcast, but in general, the Pentatonics released a new album. I think that's on there. They have another couple albums that are on there. Um, other Christmas, movies, Mariah Carey's Christmas albums on there. All the mainstays of 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 Christmas time is up there.
0: If it is not the Muppets Christmas, oh yeah, which I have in vinyl and cassette. And if it's not the Chipmunks Christmas, oh yeah, so thank you,
1: no fucks whatsoever. <laughs> Two classic albums yep. from our childhood. That is, yeah, love it, but yeah that's that's heavy metal on the charts it's kind of dwindled down from that onslaught we had in early october
0: yeah yeah it, it's been it's been a pretty it's been a pretty smooth November, um and new releases for next month don't seem to be yeah too looking wild.
1: looking ahead, it's really nothing um I mean there's new releases coming out, a lot of bands I've never heard of,, yeah. but I don't think there's anything. Like big coming out, yeah, in no, the next no big, month. no
0: big name stuff coming out. Um, or if there are, there's like one or two. But like, I think the first week uh, in December is pretty big. Then it tapers off, and then like nothing. Oh, yeah, I
1: think like Christmas week and like the week into New Year's. Like, is, there's like, there's nothing. nothing.
0: There's nothing on New Year's Day. and, yeah, right. and Chris, On Christmas Day, I think there's like ten albums coming out. Yeah. So this next month is going to be a little bit lighter as far as new releases, which means that in the charts, it's just going to be a lot of repeating the same stuff about like who's falling and. So do
1: you want to, for, for next month, do you want to just kind of chill out on the chart thing? No, we can a, still do it. Okay.
0: Because some, I'm sure some more random things are going to appear considering I, the fact that we're getting close to the holiday, people will be buying gifts. True. Some good point. Some random shit will disappear. Good
1: point. Good point. I like that. It's so. good.
0: Uh, so that's it for all the news business. Let's talk about social media highlight. Who are we going to tag in this week's show?
1: Who are we actually going to tag in this week's show? <laughs> it's not Danzig. That we're not going to <laughs> piss off. Um, I hope so. Victim of Illusion. For the day. The
2: day's
1: day that never That's my pick. Uh they're Italian prog rock quartet. They list their influences to include Porcupine Tree, Tool, Massive Attack, Radiohead, Haken, and Opeth. You
0: know what's funny is that somebody I was just talking to like two hours ago was mentioning Haken. They're
1: they're good. Yeah. They're good and um I think I would do like a quick um like this was months ago. I got a quick like thing where you go on YouTube and you just like check out everything that's I it was Haken and Freak Kitchen. Freak Kitchen was was really good too. I, that's a side note. Anyway, the band definitely wears their influences on their sleeves. They have rhythmic, melodic, clean guitars, very similar to like Porcupine Tree, uh, mixed with heavy guitar riffs, which is kind of reminiscent of Tool and Opeth. Uh, clean singing sounds very much in the style of Steve Wilson from uh, Porcupine Tree, which I enjoy thoroughly. Um, their album Oxidize... Uh, from 2014 and their EP What Senses Blow Away are available for streaming on Spotify. Uh, you can just get to their links from their, um, their webpage. Um, I listened to Oxidize and, f- and I found it to be really, really good. I a lot of dynamic changes between songs and each song has its own feel but doesn't really st- uh, stray too far from the formula that they created for themselves. Mm. Highlights include The Day That Never Comes which is not a Metallica cover. It's their own song, and it's better than a Metallica song. Um, Another song that's a highlight is Seasons, not a Seven Dust cover. amazing solo on the song Crazy Numbers
0: which has no other no one else has a title called Coca-Cola. no no crazy
1: no no eight, eight crazy nights anyway <laughs> uh, you can find them on facebook.com slash victim of illusion instagram at victim of illusion and twitter at victor of the Victim of Illusio. <laughs>
0: you, you were losing it there. Yeah,
1: uh, Twitter at Victim of Illusio. Actually, they don't spell out illusion completely. They leave out the oh,
0: end. I thought that was a typo. I actually, no, I added the end. I saw that. you
1: added the end. No, that's <laughs> that was not a typo. That is the real thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to make a band now called Victim of Illusio. <laughs> <laughs> you can't stop me. It's not going to be covers though. <clears throat> um, my pick for the social media highlight of the week: um, September Sky. These guys followed me on Twitter a long time ago. This again, this is one of those um bands that I was trying to kind of put onto the live show because they followed me like right after I started really following everybody and doing stuff on Twitter. Um these guys are from Indianapolis, Indiana. They're self described their bandcamp page as a hard rock band, but like their songs have a little bit more uh heaviness to them, a little more crunch to them. So they kinda of blur that line between rock and metal. So I I would say if anything, they're like alternative metal. What came out of, the, of like the post new metal stuff? Um, I would say like you know the, the, the seether, the three days grace kind of thing. Yeah. But when you start listening to their stuff, they sound very similar to Godsmack, who sounds pretty similar to Alice in Chains. Mm-hmm. So as you're listening to, as I listen to um, their latest EP, "Letter to Fear," first track, I'm like straight up Godsmack. You got the crunchy riffs. You got the vocalist sounding a lot like Sully. During most parts, but when you get like, to the cleaner, uh, more harmony parts, it gets a little bit more along the lines of like Jerry Cantrell. Musically and especially vocally, they 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 kind of sound a lot like they they wear that influence on their sleeve. I hate saying that phrase, and especially because you say it. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but they do have a very very significant sound that is like that. But it's it's uh, definitely really good stuff. Um, my only gripe with them um, is that like the cleaner harmonies could use a bit more of a boost you know they don't sound as as strong as they could be but overall the, the gritty voice is good musically it's just straightforward crunch um it's not like it's not like godsmack in that the solo is exactly the same with the friggin wah pedal every single time yeah they do have some pretty some pretty skilled <laughs> skilled solos in there <laughs> Two EPs: 2010's "Bright Side to Dark Days" and 2013's "Letter to Fear." Uh, on their Bandcamp page, SeptemberSkyRocks.bandcamp.com. See, no, no, no shame there. They are they're They're letting you know that they rock. At right least they spell
1: "rocks" as in R-O-C-K-S instead of like you know R-O-X,
0: R-O-X-X-X, <laughs> all caps. All <laughs> caps. <laughs> Omg,
1: Omg, <laughs> <Rafflecopter>. <laughs> War Machine rocks, <laughs> all um, caps.
0: So like I said, the two EPs are available on their Bandcamp page, but they're also kickstarting for their first full-length album. Uh, if you want any information about that, and if you like the band after listening to their Bandcamp and you want to contribute, septemberskyband.com is where you can go find out some more information about it. Follow them on Twitter at septembersky with an underscore after sky. After sky? Not before. Uh, or you can follow their Facebook page, facebook.com septemberskyrocks. And that's R-O-C-K-S, not R-O-X-X-A. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that now. We're going to do Shred Shack Rocks <laughs> with a few exclamation points. All one word, all caps. <laughs> but yeah, check them out. And that's it for Social Media Highlight. Oh, you, have, oh yeah, you uh, don't have <laughs> I was just gonna ask Alright I feel good now Cause I had one He didn't he's, The new guy sucks
1: He still do He still new, he's still new. Took, It
0: took you three weeks To get one okay? by, by the way Did you see at the end Of the uh, um, the last post I did Like, Pete don't advertise Pete don't advertise <laughs> <laughs> What
2: <laughs> Cause I was, like,
0: I was like You can find me here You can find Chris here Pete ain't got shit yeah, yeah. <laughs> He'll get on uh, Yeah I'll
2: get on that Come on is this Is episode number two For Mr. Peter I I'm still thinking you. of, like, a good, like, Twitter handle and stuff. I'm thinking of, like... Pieterox, yeah. <laughs> Pete Rocks! Pete Rocks. Pete Rocks, Shred Shack, Goku69. Like, yeah.
0: All about the D. 69. <laughs> Rocks. Not cool. Rocksers, maybe? R-O-X-X-O-R, Rocksers? Oh, stop. Anyway, it. on to our discussion for the week, which has to do with what I mentioned before, which was me seeing Blind Guardian. I'm doing Yes Chant right now. <laughs>
1: 13 this, years in the making. This was
0: literally 13 years in the making because um, I started getting into Blind Guardian late 90s. Um, it was after Nightfall and Middle-Earth, um, back when mp3.com was a thing. And I was working at Tower Records at the time, um, when A Night at the Opera came out. It was one of the f- first things I ever bought when I worked there because it came out like a week later. Um, So I had been wanting to see them from when that album came out because they were playing in the city back when the PlayStation Best Buy Nokia Theater was, I believe, uh, WWF The World something or another venue. Um, But every single time since then, I've missed my chance to go see them. I finally saw them, and it was so good. But my gripe has to do... My gripe about the show has to do with uh, certain songs not translating well live. And in particular, um, the low point of the show for me was them playing and then there was silence, which in the studio is insanely ambitious. I'm pretty sure I heard prior to it coming out that they had to do 250 separate tracks throughout the entire 13-minute song, 250 tracks to make up the entire thing. So needless to say, there would be a lot missing from the live version. Unfortunately, it felt like there was a lot more missing than there should have been. So I figured the discussion this week, we can talk about transitioning recorded material to a live setting, Um, maybe give some specific examples as to when it doesn't work, Um, do bands like, you know, do they lose something when they play it live, Um, you know are things done in the studio that are too big to be played live and they shouldn't stay they should just stay away from it so somebody throw an opinion at me
2: well I mean do you think this like occurs more in bands that are gonna have like say like I'm thinking like bands in like symphonic kind of power metal uh, veins that maybe have a lot of need for things like backing tracks and you know like orchestra elements and things like that I mean is that always gonna translate well um, I
1: think it depends on the band and how they recorded it um for a band like Nightwish, who I've seen, their music translates very well live.
0: Because a lot of their, their orchestral work is through keyboard, is through so keyboard they can it. recreate right. it. And
1: I think even the stuff that they, is recorded with the orchestra, the keyboards—I'm not going to try to pronounce his name—but the main guy who writes all the songs, he probably writes everything, so he can play it live. Mm. So he knows how to recreate his music. And like I said, when I saw them, they were on the not the Imaginarium tour, the, the um, Dark Passion Play tour, mm. and they played the first track, which is 13 minutes of epicness. And it was perfect. It was spot on. Everything was there. Mm -hmm. Everything. Um, So for bands like that who actually, I think they go out of their way to make sure that what they do in the studio, they can produce live. Good for them. Awesome. Great job. Now there's bands like Iced Earth. We saw Iced Earth after... after, um, Glorious Burden.
0: And they played Gettysburg. They played Gettysburg.
1: And, and if you guys know the song Gettysburg, it's 30 minutes long. They recorded it with the Prague Symphony, um, Symphony Orchestra. They play with a backing track. Yeah. Because obviously at B.B. King's you can't bring a 50-piece orchestra I,
0: I was going to say, I'm pretty sure there's not even enough space to put a 50-piece orchestra in the audience. Yeah. So,
1: so in a, in a case like that, I, I felt that it was okay. Yeah. Only because the only thing that was That they were do that was a backing track was the orchestra. Yeah, everything everything else was live. Mm -hmm. Ripper's voice was live. The drums were live. Guitars and bass live, and they were playing to a click track, obviously, because they had to keep time with what's playing on the tape. So it just made the band tighter. Actually, it made it that much better sounding. Mm -hmm. Um, but then you got to think about other bands, Um, and the main one I think about is Metallica what they produce live compared to what they record. And I specifically think about albums like Load and Reload and Black Album, where they actually stepped up their production game. They got up to like 96 tracks on a song, multiple backing vocals from James harmonizing everywhere. They can't do that all live. Kirk Hammett can't sing a worth a shit. Jason Newstead, he howls at you. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a backup singer. He commands you. So, But the thing is, even the stuff that they lack from their records translates well live anyway because they're still just a rock band. So, I mean, the stuff that they added in the studio just was more of a rock element that when it's
2: not there, it's it's still good. It's still okay. And that's what I was thinking of in asking that question because I mean, I'm sure you I mean, you guys have probably seen way more live shows than I have, but I mean, my, the stuff I go to primarily is going to be like, you know, death metal and stuff like that, which I mean, the joke is you don't have to even understand the the fucking lyrics to enjoy it. You know what I mean? so there's not a whole lot of issue about, are you losing something, you know, the translation from the studio to the, the live element. In fact, I mean, if anything, in my experience, it's always been that the live show adds that kind of social energy, right? That, I mean, it's just to me anyways, it's almost always going to make the live show better, Mm -hmm. you know, because you don't get that experience through a studio album. Um, that being said, I mean, what y'all are talking about as far as like the more technical you get, um, there's always that risk, right? So I think of like, like the one thing that I, the one band I thought of in, in thinking about this topic was like Dragon Force, right? Mm-hmm. Who like you know plays a lot of like cheesy, fast paced kind of you know guitar solos throughout like all their tracks, and it you hear it live and it doesn't always sound that great, you know what I mean? Like at least to, to my in my opinion, I mean. It, um, it's certainly not the same as like the studio version. Yeah. Um, so yeah.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I've seen Dragon Force a couple times and I think on the studio versions they speed things up a lot. Live, I don't think they can do it as fast. Um, Through the Fire and the Flames, that track is slowed down by about half um, or point, you know, just a little bit slower than on the record just because they still have to play all those fucking notes. Right, right. So... Um,
0: also, in, in the same thing with Dragon Force, though, in a live setting, not everything comes through crystal clear. True. So you're sitting there blazing notes, and it all just sounds like... Bleh.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: And then when you think about with um, the death metal sound, some of the bands that I really enjoy seeing live are bands that sound exactly like they do on the record, and that's Soilwork. I mean, I've seen Soilwork so many times... And that's one band that has... When you listen to them on record, you just get smashed with a wall of sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's multiple layers of guitars. There's some keys in there, and the the, the drums are incredible, and, and and Speed's vocals are definitely layered. But when they play live, musically, they're the tightest band... I've, one of the tightest bands I've ever seen. Nothing is missing there. And the fact of the matter is that even though Speed's vocals aren't layered as they are on on, on the record, it's still... Not lacking live.
0: Does, does he have uh, um, any other members of the band? No. No, it's just no. By himself. Hair
1: and guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much.
0: Yeah, because, like, again, one of the things that sucks me into something like Soil Work is those huge harmonies that they do during choruses.
1: Well, the thing is, I mean, you saw clips of uh, the live show from the DVD. They did that one track with Floor. Mm hmm. But if you just take Floor's voice out of it and you put in Jess Speed's voice live, it's it's still just as powerful, mm-hmm. you know? And half the time the audience is singing along anyway. Yeah. So that just adds that whole live element that you were talking about, Peter. Mm-hmm. So I mean I'll, bands like that who can go a little ambitious in the studio with their vocal layering and if as long as it translates well live and they don't feel like they're missing anything, I'm cool with that. Mm-hmm. I'm more than happy with that.
0: I remember um I think it was the Rock and Rio DVD for Iron Maiden. It was Yannick talking about playing live. And he was saying like when you record you have several tracks as at having three guitar players you're able to pick and choose what would sound best live. Mm-hmm. So you like you can you can sit there and pick, okay, we're gonna do this part, this part and this part together to try to recreate that sound as best we can. And I've always thought that they've had a good full live sound. Oh, yeah. I haven't been really disappointed by that. Never. Um, But one of my bigger gripes with the Blind Guardian show that I just saw was, um, again, uh, and then there was silence. Blind Guardian does a lot vocally. Uh, Hanji does a lot vocally. And, in fact, five of the six members of the band on stage had microphones in front of them. But there were a lot of times where they were singing um, and where a line should come in. Nobody sang, and I'm like that is a very noticeable drop, especially because I know the song as well as I do and it's like okay <laughs> that was that was you're, you're supposed to sing something there you didn't i'm I'm angry <laughs> but, and I, I I know that like a lot of this a lot of this um what well, led to this discussion it has a lot to do with me expecting the live thing to be very similar to the album um 'Cause usually especially with vocals, I tend to I tend to get a little turned off when they don't sound enough like the album. Which again is my own gripe and it's just me being me being particular. Um, because Hanji did change a lot of stuff uh, during the live show where he should have like been much higher, he went lower, or he went softer, or um where things should have had more energy, he took a little bit of energy out of it and I'm like Oh bro <laughs> You're killing me. <laughs> I mean there were certain parts that he nailed, like like um if anybody knows the song "Imaginations from the Other Side," there's a part where all the instruments cut out, and he pretty much um, no instruments don't cut out, but he just yells out uh, "Coward Lion, where are you?" and he hit it so on the money. And I have a that thing where I uh, my my spine tangles whenever I hear a good vocal line. I'm sitting there just shivering. <laughs> <like, laughs> Do doing, doing the truffle shuffle. In the back. <laughs> Nice. so so there were a lot of parts like that that were spot on but he changed a bit and I was a little bit dismayed by that but again, this is me being just a little bit too particular about how I hear it um because otherwise like all this like, aside from that track and the ninth wave, which I felt was not very strong live because again it's it's another epic track but it didn't come across as being as powerful as it actually is everything else they nailed and I guess it's because there were less elements that they had to recreate or the elements were a little bit easier to recreate. But, like, everything else they just hammered home hard. So, I don't know if it's just me being a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Crying like a bitch. Crying like a bitch. (laughs) But, I mean, like, certain things I feel like they should at least, you know, attempt to kind of either... Do something else in its place, especially with the vocal lines like that when it's so obvious that you're supposed to be singing something and you just drop it so
1: well I always get a little weird uh leery about seeing bands, especially when I know what they put on record like my number one from uh October was Earthside
2: mm-hmm.
1: one of their ma- one of the main tracks I've noticed as a highlight was mob mentality, which is what they recorded with the orchestra mm-hmm. um and I rem- I remember I said that the the band doesn't sing. They have, they're have they all backing vocalists. At least that's what they're credited as. So when I go to see Earthside, and I want to see Mob Mentality, what am I going to get from a four-piece when Lejean sings and they're backed by an orchestra? That'd be something I'd be a little bit like, what should I expect? Should should I expect to hear the backing tracks? Is someone else going to sing Lejean's parts? Yeah. Um, I, it's the same thing with seeing like a band like Apocalyptica who up until recently had different singers for different songs on every one of their albums. I've seen Apocalyptica a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, on occasion, they bring out the guy who who would sing on the on the track, uh, like the guy from Three Days Grace. He sang on one of the tracks uh, from When Worlds Collide. He came out with them a couple of times and, and played with them, uh, but for his track. And then they had some random dudes singing all the other songs that that they have. Or songs like Bittersweet, which has Vallo in it, they play as instrumentals mm-hmm. um so it's just I, like I said I get a little weary about going into a show like that like what am I going to expect from something I know so well on the record and something that I just can't visualize them reproducing live mm-hmm. and that's why like when I, when I think about Earthside Ice to Earth and any band that records with an orchestra actually records with an orchestra you have to wonder what you're going to get Yeah. so and like when I mentioned um Nightwish before, I think Epica and Within Temptation, they all fall into the same vein of, they record it with the intention of playing those parts live, so it's mostly done through keyboards, and even when it's recorded with the orchestra, it's arranged so that they can produce it live. Um, and probably avoid backing tracks as much as possible. Now, backing tracks is, has been a thing that I've seen a lot of back and forth with, especially when it concerns older uh, <laughs> just say Aussie just... <laughs> I was actually thinking more of Motley Crue actually I hear that they perform Motley Crue and Kiss perform with a lot of backing tracks I hear
0: like for what
1: um, I'm not sure I think it's mostly probably vocals
0: yeah because I was going to say I'm pretty sure Vince Neil can use a few yeah <laughs>
1: um, but I think for that, ki- for that ki- those kinds of bands backing tracks are kind of um, lazy man's out um, especially because, like I mentioned, Metallica. Metallica strips down their sound to just Metallica, mm-hmm. and it still sounds just as good as it on the record. Uh, I don't see why other bands can't do that. you know. Mm-hmm. But then you also think about bands like when we saw a, a long time ago, Static X. They have a lot of elements that they can't produce live, or they just press play on the backing track and they play to it. I mm-hmm. mean, is that good? Uh, I don't know. You know, for that particular band, it was great because everything else, like we talked about, with Ice Earth was live, mm. and it was just like the, I guess the background stuff was pre-recorded. Yeah, but again, it's going into it's like, what do you expect when you see a live show now?
0: Mm. Uh, I don't have any particular problem with backing tracks unless they're carrying the song. Mm. Again, like with Ozzy, Ozzy's too old, but you get you get a backing track to do the entire chorus for him. It's like. Maybe it's a sign that you shouldn't be up there doing right. a song.
1: It's more karaoke than anything else.
0: Yeah, and not very good karaoke. <laughs> well, is there such a thing as good karaoke? Yeah, yeah, there's great karaoke. I've, seen, I've I have a friend or two who has done really good on, on on karaoke. So now, now, rock band, guitar hero, that's a different story. Than that
1: <laughs> <actually>. <laughs> now, the question is is are some bands too ambitious in the studio? Are they going, are they going out of their way to be so huge in the studio that they fail the audience
2: going on tour. Well, I mean, that's what I was thinking about in this last kind of discussion point, is just, you know, at what point is there almost like like some strategizing that has to be done by a band? Like, you know, okay, do we want to... How, like, the logistics of playing some of this stuff live, like, do we just, like, not do it live? Do we just say that this is, like, a studio album and just leave it at that? I mean... Do you do like maybe like one or two tracks that have like those kind of orchestral elements that you don't ever intend on playing live? Um, you know, like, where are they supposed to do? You know, like to still kind of achieve that kind of their, I guess, artistic vision, but at the same time recognizing that they're not going to be able to their limitations, right? Yeah. What do you think?
0: I just like. I don't know like, if you're gonna if you're gonna do something so huge in the studio if you're gonna strip it down. You have to make sure you do it right. Oh yeah. And, and with you know, again, the, my my main gripe with and then there was silence was the vocal parts. You had five singers on stage, but you were dropping parts. Like you gotta, you you should be able to make up for these things. Um, so if you're gonna if you're gonna do something like that live, you got to be able to sit there and accommodate stuff like that. Like especially like even the vocals are little things essentially, like little lines. Yeah. So.
1: Well, I think one clip I saw that was... One of my favorite Sabotage tracks is the Wake of Magellan, which is from the, the album Oh, well, where they Magellan. do the canon? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: They do that live. Yeah. And it's fucking incredible. And it's just one of those things, like, when I first heard this song, it was like, how would they ever do that live? And then you find out that every single one of the members of the band sing, mm-hmm. and they, as that part's going on, they all sing their part, and it's just... That's something that I would never be able to see live, like just thinking about it and then when you actually see a live clip of it it's like holy
0: fuck yeah. that band is awesome that is something that if you're gonna put that onto record and you're gonna play the song live and you dumb it down that's gonna be yeah that's gonna like, be a fail. like don't ever record it again <laughs> <laughs> like yeah like like yeah, yeah it's it's cool on record but if you're gonna play it live you gotta do it right man you gotta, you gotta go f- like balls to the wall yeah and I'm sure it was fantastic. It was.
1: See. I mean, it was just like a YouTube clip, yeah. like, you know, fan shot, but it still sounded that great.
0: That is something I wish more bands would do. The, what, the, Canon the, stuff? the vocal Canon stuff. Yeah. Because, like, it's... They... I know two tracks by them that does it. Wake of Magellan and Chance. Chance is a little bit slower. Which one is... That's the one at the end of uh, Dead Winter Dead, right? No, that's that's um, that's the that's on Handful of Rain. Because they do that at the end of Dead Winter Dead, Okay, too. so there you go. You got There's three. three. But... It's such a cool thing, like especially with like um, a lot of a lot of singers in metal and in power metal, or just we there's a lot of great vocalists in there, and there's a lot of bands that have multiple singers who are great vocalists. Imagine like Dream Theater, you have like at least three guys in the band. I don't know if the new drummer sings or anything like that. I don't know, but imagine like all those guys doing a vocal canon together. Um, I'm trying to think of another band with with multiple. Even Blind Guardian could have pulled off a, mo- a vocal cannon with five guys on stage with microphones in their faces. They could have pulled off something. I, I want to see something more like that. And if they're going to sit there and put it on a record, you've got to play it full-on live. Without backing tracks, please. <laughs> Unless you want to be Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> or Ozzy. Or Ozzy. But yeah. Just my little gripe about the show. Otherwise, Blind Guardian was fucking amazing. <laughs> I don't want to say it was well worth the 13 years because I should have seen them like four times by now. But... And you had to drive all the way to Houston for it. I drove all the way to Houston because they weren't coming to San Antonio and they weren't coming to Austin. Austin would have been a shorter trip. But that's how adamant I was about seeing this show. Um, and Did you play
1: with anybody else?
0: Gravedigger. right. That's right. And they were German heavy metal, <laughs> <laughs> old as fuck, but they're German heavy metal. Um, and yeah, that show was great. You can expect a. I'll leave that for the end of the show, which is oh. right about now. Actually, yeah, we're talk, we're done rambling about shit. Yeah. So if you're gonna play live, do good shit. Do good shit. Do it right. So if you're gonna record something, make sure you can do it live. Damn it. Yep. Or just don't do it live at all.
2: Yeah.
0: And on that note, we Problem must make our curtain rock. call. What? Album-oriented rock. That's right. AOR, bitches. AOR. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, subscribe to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Adamant's Templum, for more Shred Shack-related content, including interviews, editorials, concert reviews, and the like. Uh, I'm actually getting close to finishing posting up all of the uh, preview clips for the podcasts, so one per episode for all of you, all the individuals who have not... Come our way and see the light. It's blinding. So promotional material is going up oh on my YouTube God. channel, um, as well as our most recent top three videos, a few I Saw The Show, I Saw Shows. I'm going to be recording another I Saw a Show tonight, um, after this podcast is over, um, for the uh, Blind Guardian show, which we were just talking about. So You can expect that up in the near future. Um... So we you can have hear a bunch of bitching
1: again. <laughs> what's that? So you can hear
0: your bitching again. Yes,
1: that's right. <laughs> but with a
0: face. We have a whole bunch of things planned, which we are not going to announce yet, just because. Still in the works. Still in the works and still in the planning stages. But uh, I will just say that we've been getting approached by more and more things um, through our Facebook page, and prospects are looking sweet, and we're trying to accommodate as much as we can. Um, so we'll be announcing things as we get a little bit closer to the time. Uh, but also on my YouTube channel you can find my le- my video game Let's Play series Recreational Warfare, which will be coming back in two thousand sixteen. I just have to like actually go and edit episodes and stuff.
1: A triumphant Return. A
0: triumphant Return. Yes, chant. <laughs> uh for more up to the minute updates and news from yours truly, follow my Twitter account at Novus Redemptor.
1: Yes, I am on Twitter and Instagram Twitter. at UpTheIron3314 for my adventures in fitness, nerd stuff and this show obviously. For fitness and nutrition coaching, you can check me out on Facebook at facebook.com slash uptheiron3314. It's almost New Year's times for you New Year's resolution
0: guys. You're going to make so much money on January 1st. <laughs> hit, hit me up, fuckers. You fat motherfuckers. <laughs> All this holiday shit is
1: bullshit. You were fat in June. Let's go. <laughs> anyway, um, you can also just become my friend on Facebook, um, Chris McDonald. Uh, where I pretty much post everything that we talk about here on the podcast, all my nerd stuff, all my fitness stuff, all in the same place. And by the way, when this when this podcast comes out, which is November 30th, we will be 18 days away from the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens. You've, you've
0: wow. got, the, uh, you got the thing down this time?
1: I'm just doing it because I know the date of its release and because this podcast is coming at the end of November, I did simple math. <laughs> and we are also 26 days away from the day I get to see the movie. I'm seeing the day after Christmas.
2: Oh, nice,
0: Pete. You still not advertise?
2: Yeah, you can reach me at Pete Rocks at Hotmail. <laughs> <laughs> did <not speak>. um, <laughs> Who the fuck Hotmail?
0: <laughs>
1: Hotmail is no. still a thing. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't really? I thought they no, shut that down. I was That's like, no. Um,
2: now nah, my resolution is for the next time I do this show, I will have some social media. <laughs> Until then, I'm still a luddite. Until then, Pete, don't advertise. Yeah, don't advertise.
0: I'm gonna make a t-shirt. Pete's last. still an intern. <laughs> Get me some coffee, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Why? If, if you're, you are can not even read the goddamn script. <laughs> Get that motherfucker on the phone. <laughs> on the phone. Okay. Van Damme. <laughs> if and you can please sound <laughs> like a <his> character. <laughs>
2: Don't Read the it. script. Don't do it.
0: <laughs> My name's, My name's Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> okay. okay. If you're hearing this, I will assume that you found your way to our Mixcloud page, mixcloud.com slash the Shred which is currently your primary source for all previous installments of the Shred Shack podcast as well as recordings of the Shred Shack live radio show. Speaking of the live radio show, tune in to Pat and Reese every Wednesday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. <sighs> For two hours of heavy metal and banter. <laughs> 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 Gotta breathe? <laughs> Damn. Uh, you can find the link to the weekly show as well as any and all Shred Shack-related updates on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Shred Shack. I was actually talking to Pat last night, and um, you know, they've been incorporating a lot more stuff into the live show, uh, saying that like pretty much with everything that they're doing, they haven't been able to play covers lately. Really? And my mm-hmm. immediate suggestion was... Longer show, longer show, longer show. Let's get three hours, dude. Yeah, I, I was, I was telling them to push for it. I mean, so we're,
1: we're we're incorporating their their interviews into our podcast. Our podcast is pushing over two hours now, too. So yeah. Yeah. they they might need to adjust their
0: format a little bit. Yeah. So here, here's hoping that yeah something happens there. Go go check out the GoFundMe to get the TreadJacky <laughs> look, <longer. laughs> which is more
1: like a. Please, sir, can we have some more time?
0: <laughs> you contribute a dollar, I'll we'll give you half a ham sandwich. <laughs> Previously bitten by one of us. <laughs> but with a pin inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, We have descended into a Shred madness. Shred pin,
1: though. We didn't say it was a Shred Shack pin. It could be like, you know, Prozac or something.
0: Uh, Last thing before I do the outro, um, I posted up the um, link to the page earlier on my own Facebook page with my unofficial goal for the end of this year, which is I want 500 likes on the Shred Shack page by the end of 2015. We are at 475 as of doing this, only 25 more, and every single time we post something we, we tend to get a lot more so I can see it happening, but in case it does not, I will have to think of a Horrible punishment for all of those who do not assist. <laughs> and it's not half a hand sandwich. <laughs> that's <laughs> pretty bad though. <laughs> well That'd be a sandwich, <laughs> that'd be <goddamn> moldy ass <laughs> sandwich, Wow. So until next time, I am Dan Mack. And I'm Chris Mack. And I'm Pete. Pete don't have a <laughs> <laughs> Reminding you that the world is full of kids.
2: <laughs> that's how you just that's, trail off right there. <laughs> When <laughs> we have a discussion about this kind of thing,
0: <laughs> reminding you that the world is full of kings and queens. Bitches. <laughs> <laughs>